Welcome to the DFW Child Podcast, a place for local parents to tell their stories, share mom truths, and dig deeper into real issues, all while celebrating this crazy, challenging, beautiful journey called parenthood. Let's welcome our host, Brittany McElroy. a few meltdowns at my house lately. Nothing too terrible, but it certainly feels at times like we've moved backwards a bit. Turns out that is one of the most common ways for younger kids like mine to express their struggling. And I mean, aren't most of us struggling a bit more than usual right now? As I've done interviews on several different topics for this pandemic parenting series, the one thing that has come up in every single conversation is how COVID-19 is affecting mental health. It doesn't matter if their kids are 2, 12, or 22. Parents worry about how their kids are handling the isolation, stress, and anxiety brought on by so much change and uncertainty. Licensed professional counselor Kim Peterson says the effects on mental health will look a little different in every kid depending on their age, personality, and coping skills. Your preschool, toddler age, of course, they're going to be acting out um, behavior problems, but also a lot of regression in behavior. Uh, So uh, if a child is potty trained and all of a sudden they're bedwetting, um, or if um, a child has been able to um, play independently, independently from their parent for an hour in the living room while mom cleans the house. And they're all of a, they all of a sudden regress back to not being able to do that um, or having a lot of separation anxiety from that caregiver. Um, we'll see that a lot in the younger ones. Um, once you get into more elementary age, um, they are not as good at identifying their emotions and attaching a a reason or a thought to that. And so that can come out in a lot more anxiety behaviors such as nail biting um, or isolating from the family is a big one, spending all of their time in their room. I'm hearing from a lot of parents right now that iPad use is up tenfold, partially because there's just time to do it and there's only so much we can do to entertain the kids right now. Um, And so we have to give ourselves a little bit of flexibility with that. Um, But you want to make sure that the child is not distancing themselves so much from the rest of the family that they're not having contact with people. They're not moving around very much because they're secluded in their room. They're not getting their bodies moving. Um, They may be snacking on sugars and things like that. Um, and, And, but Typically, I find elementary kids do go tell their parents um, that um, they just don't feel good or that their tummy hurts, a lot of physical or somatic symptoms at that age. Um, So they might say, my my, my tummy doesn't feel good. I don't feel like eating or more headaches, things like that. Um, Your high school students typically can verbalize what's going on more, but I would watch more for acting out, um, acts of defiance. Um, If they're starting to drive, their driving may get more reckless. And and certainly across all ages, it's more irritability and arguing with 
parents and sibling rivalry has gone up for sure. There's a lot more sibling rivalry when there's a lot more opportunity for it. Um, but secondly, you know, if a child is struggling with managing emotions, um, such as anxiety or fear, uh, they, that can often look like irritability. It looks like they're angry when in essence, they may be actually pretty anxious. Since the pandemic started, she has taken on three to four new clients a week while also figuring out the best way to shift her counseling services online. She still does virtual play therapy with kids, but she's also had to put more emphasis on helping parents feel better equipped. So the more I can educate the parents of those younger kids um, and support them, um, the better they've been able to manage their children during this time. Uh, I'm seeing children and adolescents probably from the age of eight on up on a daily basis. Uh, specifically for the pandemic, um, we have talked a lot about family dynamics that have been coming up. Uh, having to be around one another, having to uh, parents who are stressed out and having to do, and doing school with the kids. There's been a lot of issues related to the family that, that I've had to work out. Kimberly Winsinch says she can relate to the challenges of navigating family dynamics during this time. She has three kids, ages 11, 9, and 7, who are all handling the pandemic differently. Her oldest is the most likely to talk about how he's feeling. But he told me, he says, Mom, it's depressing. He said, it's anxiety provoking. This is my 11 and a half year old. He says, and it's wrong. Her middle child has had the most challenges. She gets special behavioral therapies and services through the school district, including role-playing social situations with other kids. And since schools shut down, her mom feels like she is not getting what she needs which can impact the whole family. And with her, I mean, she's, she's regressed. She's regressed socially, she's regressed behaviorally, um, and school is the absolute number one thing that she needs. She needs the structure of the school, but most importantly, she needs to see, this is the way I'm expected to act in society and with other people. And while her youngest often takes the changes in stride, Winsich knows it can be confusing for the first grader. She's a total mommy's girl, and she is definitely very anxious, and I know she's reflecting my anxiety. But the other challenge for her at her age is, you know, she did kindergarten last year. First grade, she had down, like, you know, I mean, she, she just had this down. So she just is at that point where, she just gets it like she she understands you know what's expected of her she's got the student role she's got the kid no longer toddler role and she good she knows that this is how this is going forward i'm getting it that's great she just got that and now the rug just got pulled out from under her mental health professionals say all of these situations can require different care whether that comes from the parents or outside help there are some things parents can do that should help most kids deal with mental and emotional stress right now, including sticking to a schedule so your kids know what to expect. And just asking your kids how they're doing every day can go a long way. You know, what's, what's the high of your day and the low of your day? Let's talk about that. Um, what do you find yourself struggling with the most? 
Um, what do you actually like about this, this pandemic? You know, has anything good come from this for you? But just talking to them and helping help and hearing where they're at is going to be the first line of defense for parents. If your child seems to be acting out but can't verbalize why, Peterson says finding ways to get creative might help. The other thing I've noticed with, with children and adolescents is that while they can't, haven't been able to identify specific stressors such as friends at school or a class that's, that's very stressful, they have, they seem, they seem to be expressing to me just a general level of uncertainty and anxiety. Um, and so getting them to talk about that um, is certainly helpful, of course, but when they aren't sure quite what to talk about, we're doing a lot of uh, expressive activities. So drawing um, and doing some artwork, we can still do that together. I just do it in parallel with the child or the teenager and we continue to talk. So I'm coming up with a lot of activities that are very positive and based in a lot of self-exploration. So, okay, while this time there's not a specific incident to talk about, let's do some general self-exploration to understand your own strengths, to understand your own weaknesses, uh, triggers for your anxiety. We can work on general communication skills. Um, and then I would say also um, communicating with parents. There's been, there's been quite a few times where I have heard from the child or teen questions that they've had about the, the coronavirus, the effect on their family in particular, worries about their school, that they haven't been communicating to their parents for whatever reason. So we, I've been talking with them about processing reasons why they have been hesitant or not doing that and how they can communicate that to their parents so they can get support at home. For kids primarily dealing with loneliness and isolation, Dr. Kia Carter, who runs inpatient psychiatry services at Cook's Children's Hospital, says finding ways to keep kids active and engaged is important. Really knowing what your child is doing and trying to come up with a plan so that you guys meet in the middle. No, you can't go to summer camp seven days a week right now and spend a night and go away, but maybe we can do like a swimming lessons where it's only three kids in it versus this, or do something else outside or do more time outside this week rather than staying in the house all seven days. So trying to come up with a plan to kind of meet in the middle. So because, you know, it will be hard for kids to stay in the house for the next three months. It, it will be extremely difficult for kids to do that. So parents really trying to feel, get comfortable with what they're comfortable with and then come up with a plan so that they can meet their child in the middle to start escalating what's, what's available that they can do. Dr. Carter says her inpatient and emergency room visits for children's mental health services at Cook's have actually gone down during COVID, probably in part because some school stressors have been removed and in part because people are trying to avoid trips to healthcare facilities if they can. But calls to mental health hotline type services and requests for general community outreach have gone up. One thing they're doing to address this is giving pediatricians more resources to screen all patients over the age of six for anxiety and depression. Carter says while more kids are likely to struggle with isolation from COVID, if your child is anxious or afraid of getting the virus, a form of exposure therapy could help them better function as the world starts to reopen. But your kid may have to go back to school. 
in three months and COVID is likely still going to be around in three months. We may have a vaccination, we may not. So it's starting to get your kid a little bit more comfortable with the fact that they may have to do that. So teaching them small baby steps. So if it's going to the grocery store for 20 minutes and making sure you wear your mask and wash your hands and then don't touch anything if you don't and then remove yourself. So starting to do baby steps if you know your child is afraid. You know, like you said, most kids are struggling more with the opposite, wanting to get out and probably not thinking of the concerns of being exposed. But for those kids that are super anxious, it's starting slow, starting small to start preparing them early because we don't know how long this will be around. We don't know what will happen. Um, and if some parent can't afford to homeschool their kid or um, has to go out to work, their kid may have to go back to school. Um, and that's when we see school refusal and things like that. So with any anxiety disorder, when it comes to that social um, awareness or difficulty, we start with baby steps and we start small and kind of stair step our way up to those bigger things. So that's what I would encourage those parents to. You don't have to go out for a full day. You don't have to have your child touch anything. But if you just walk around Target with your mask on for five minutes, and then next week, maybe we try 10 minutes. And then the next week, we can go get a couple of groceries. So again, showing them that it's okay, and we, we, we still have to be safe. But that doesn't mean because we go out, we're going to get sick. It can also help to involve your child in making plans to keep themselves and others safe and healthy. And you have to be the parent, right? So you're probably going to, going to have to make the, the harder decision, but you want to involve your kids so that they know that this is what mommy's doing to keep me safe, or this is what daddy says is going to help us and give you a little, give them a little control, but then also you be the parent and take control for that. Because in anxiety, that's the biggest thing is loss of control. When you feel anxious, you feel overwhelmed, and you feel like you don't have any control. So that's key when treating anxiety is to give that person some control, but you also have to help and you have to pull them a little long. Both Peterson and Dr. Carter say if you feel you are struggling, you should not hesitate to reach out for help at any point. But there are some red flags they identified as reasons they would highly encourage parents to seek professional care for their kids, including major changes in appetite or sleep, acting more irritated or moody most of the time, and acting out to the point that it has a negative effect on other family members. So a lot of people don't realize that when kids are anxious or when they're depressed, they just don't look sad and they don't, you can't, you don't always know that they're worrying. Normally they're irritable and they're agitated. So you may think your kid is just having a bad day, but if you see your kid kind of having a bad day every day, it's not, probably not that they're just becoming a, a bad or a difficult kid. It's something that they're not able to express, right? So they don't have the words um, or the insight to be able to say, this is different for me. I'm struggling like an adult can. So you look at their mood as far as are they more on edge? Do they not want to play with their sister anymore? Do they not want to eat dinner with us anymore? And they just kind of want to be to themselves. Um, do they yell? Like, leave me alone. So things like that. So you look for that in little kids because they're not able to express it. And what a lot of people don't know is that anxiety and depression present more with irritability than it does with sadness when you're younger. And so a lot of people can miss it just because they think, oh, just having a hard day but it could be that they don't know how to express what's hard for them and so I would say that those are kind of the bigger signs to look out for especially when you're spending all this extra time with your kids. If the parent finds that they can't get anything any verbalization from their child and the symptoms the concerns either continue and especially if they escalate um, and a parent continues to try to talk um, to the child and there's no changes, that might be time to seek for help. Um, I always recommend looking at what the dysfunction level is too. That's a big one. Is your child's anxiety um, so intense right now 
that they're um, suffering physically from lack of appetite or inability to sleep or nightmares? Um, are the relationships in the family so distressed that um, it's causing, you know, I, I've heard sometimes parents or siblings say, I get tense in the morning and I cringe when this family member wakes up because whatever their mood is in determines our day. That's what it feels like. If they're in a, if they're in a bad mood, then the rest of the family suffers and then it just snowballs from there. Um, the, dis, the level of dysfunction, the amount of dysfunction is, is gonna be something that I encourage all parents to be aware of, to, to be monitoring on a regular basis. In addition to watching out for your kids' emotional well-being, it's important to take care of your own mental health too. Because what I tell people even before COVID is you can't take care of your family if, you can't, if you're not taking care of yourself. It's really important to maintain self-awareness. Check in with yourself every morning when you wake up. What's my anxiety level like today? Do I need to lay here and take a few deep breaths um, before I jump up and start the day's activities? Uh, be very mindful of what your emotional needs are. Um, because then you're in a much better place to notice the emotional needs of your children and be there for them. Um, but, you know, be aware that it's a stressful time. Have some for grace and forgiveness on yourself. Take care of yourself. For Winsich, the mom of three that we heard from earlier, juggling the emotional needs of all her kids with her job as a nurse practitioner and trying to keep them up to speed on their schoolwork has taken a toll. You know, as a parent, when you're struggling yourself and you're trying to teach your kids this, how do you protect them? Well, even nurturing, though, how do you nurture your child when you're stressed out? They feel it. They totally feel it. You know, and you're either stressed because you're, you know, trying to work and do Zoom, Zoom meetings and, you know, you still got deadlines, everything else, or, uh, you know, you can't do your job and now you're using technology or you lost your job and you don't know how you're going to put food on the table because uh, a stimulus check only goes so far for a family of four. Peterson says focusing on yourself and what you need to stay mentally healthy, whether that's working out, taking time to be by yourself, or talking through different stressors with someone, it not only helps you, it can also serve as an opportunity to model good coping mechanisms to your kids. Sometimes we don't want our children to see us struggle, but Peterson says pretending nothing is wrong isn't necessarily the best approach. Instead, let your kids see you work through your own stress and anxiety if you can. Not often do we have the opportunity to be so close to our kids and helping them to manage their, their emotions. Usually it's at school and we're not even there. Um, we have an amazing opportunity here to, to, to really, you know, be there for them and help them and, and show them how we deal with life. And so that's what I mean when I say, don't be afraid to be open to your children um, about the fact that you're under stress too, or it can be scary um, because it validates their feelings and it gives you a chance to teach them how to cope with it. I, I actually encourage parents to let children know, you're right, this is stressful for me too. Um, here's how I'm handling it. Because one, it normalizes and validates a child's feelings in all of this, um, lets them know it's okay, lets them know they can talk to their parents about this and the parents will understand better. Um, but two, that's how a parent is able to 
teach and guide and model how to cope with it. Um, and so if it, you know, when parents, if they're not, if they feel overwhelmed, if they're feeling in such distress that um, they themselves are struggling, um, I want them to take some time for themselves. Go get a warm bath, go do your relaxation techniques, go do a puzzle or go for a walk. Do, address your emotional needs um, apart from the children if needed. If, if it's so much so that it, it you know, you're gonna send a message that the world is falling apart we don't want to do that. We want our children to feel secure and we want them to learn by your modeling. Um, and of course, parents need to seek help too. Um, we, need re we need resources. We need people. We need to talk. Um, we need all of that. One of the biggest disappointments Kimberly Winsich's family has had to work through is a missed vacation to Europe, something they planned as a once-in-a-lifetime trip. She and her son have both struggled with feeling upset about it and then feeling guilty about being upset when they know other people have been dealt much worse hands during the pandemic. He's like, oh my God, people are dying. People are losing their jobs. They don't know how they're going to eat. And I'm upset that I didn't get to go to Europe. What a terrible person I am. So I mean, he's even feeling, you know, he's got this sense of his level of emotional maturity is more developed than many adults I know. But then he's very sensitive and vulnerable too because of that. She says so far what has worked best in her house is to let her kids feel their disappointment for a short time but then ask them to try and keep things in perspective. It's not a cure-all, but it has seemed to help. And speaking of silver linings, while Peterson says she will be very happy to move back to in-person counseling sessions, she thinks virtual mental health care will stick around in some ways. She has seen people, like parents with small kids, who find an in-office visit difficult to manage, reach out for mental health services now that they can log on from home. I think it's gonna go into reduce people um, not getting the help that they need because of the draw, the commute and the time that it takes to go in there. Um, that's big. Mothers who have children at home, I'm seeing some of those now, um, whereas because we are meeting virtually during nap time, um, if you've got to drive to the office that doesn't necessarily work out and you can't bring your child with you when they're a toddler, um, you just don't get much from it. So I think mothers uh, and fathers who have young children at home are more likely to get help. She considers that a win and a pandemic change she is happy to embrace. One last thing. While most of my conversations with mental health professionals centered on helping kids, you might also want to reach out to your parents. Because many grandparents are older and often have other physical health concerns, the isolation and anxiety of COVID-19 can take an even greater toll on their mental health. While risk levels will be different for every person and every family, technology can be amazingly helpful in keeping different generations connected even if we can't get together in person. Some of the suggestions they gave me were using FaceTime or Zoom to schedule virtual family dinners or game nights, 
having groceries delivered so older family members know you're thinking of them even if you can't visit them in person, or asking them to do an activity like reading a book, doing a puzzle, or drawing a picture with younger kids over video chat. We want to thank Kim Peterson and Dr. Kia Carter for their time and expertise. It was a huge help in putting together this episode. They are both moms themselves juggling demanding jobs with the role of being mom right now. And to any parents particularly struggling, we see you. You can find more articles about behavior regression and helping your kids cope at dfwchild.com. As if life is not stressful enough right now, what if you think you might want to add to your family? In the next episode of Pandemic Parenting, whether you are already pregnant and giving birth unexpectedly during a pandemic or are considering trying to get pregnant right now, we'll take a look at expanding your family in a pandemic and give you some tips about how you can support new moms when you can't be there in person. Be sure to follow DFW Child on Facebook and Instagram so we can continue the conversation and check out the helpful parenting resources on dfwchild.com. Until next time.